Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Fox and Burger podcast. I'm your co-host Fox. And I am Burger. And for today's show, we have Carbon, a wolf from Taiwan. Carbon has been in the fandom for a little over a couple years by now. He has served as one of her point staff members back in December of last year. He is currently studying biochemistry and bioengineering, and yes, that makes him a dual major. So let's welcome him to the show and give him a big round of applause. Yo, what's up? Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here with us. Uh, it's been a while since we've actually talked. Uh, you know, how long ago was Fur Point? I was like December 19th, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. Wow. Almost half a year. So what we'd like to do first is get to know more about your furry side. So tell us about your fursona. Uh, I'm a wolf. Uh, and if you look at my ref sheets, I have uh, purple stripes on my um, arm and legs. And I have, I guess that's about it. Oh, yeah. Also along my tail. Yeah. All right. Is there any particular symbolism or meaning behind that? Particular symbolism? Well, actually, funny enough, I was... When I was like creating um, the fursona, I was debating between red and blue in terms of color scheme. I was like, you know what? Let's just put both in together. Purple, meat in the middle. Mm-hmm. Do you have any strong connections to the red and blue color? I just find them, I guess, aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, like not particularly anything specific. Yes, I like mm-hmm. them. Okay. Um, it seems like on your ref sheet, you also have the hazard symbol of like a paw. <laughs> And your gender, oh, yep. and your, is that demisexual, graysexual? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's demisexual. All right, yeah, cool. It's, uh, it's a common thing in chemistry, and if you've been doing chemistry for long enough, it's ingrained in your mind. <laughs> yeah, I thought it'd be a nice way to represent my um, things about myself. Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. it just appears on, like, different kinds of containers of, like, gas and stuff you see outside of, <laughs> I think businesses and factories and stuff yep mm-hmm. and of course you have to have the oh well yes <laughs> yeah has to be there i like this yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's actually wordplay on the uh, warning symbol for oxidizing agent or like incompatible with water <laughs> oh yeah you're right yeah O W. yeah i, I think it's ox and then w yeah whatever mm-hmm so tell us more about how you became a furry. How did you get involved in the fandom at first? Yeah, it was super funny. So um, it was August of 2018, I think. I was just surfing YouTube. I was, I think, watching this video about dolphins or something. I scrolled down to the comment section, just uh, saw like a random like top comment with a bunch of likes. And then people was commenting there like, oh my God, what? I did not expect to find you here. So, I'm, so I was like, wait, is this some like popular person that I didn't know about? And I clicked into the channel, and apparently, I think it's a fursuit-making channel or something, and I just plunged it, uh, head it, like, s- straight on into the furry fandom. Yeah, had no, n- no idea what it was before, but then after that, I was, yeah, like, in-, in a single day, I probably started calling myself a furry. All right, yeah. So, speaking of fursuit-making channels, do you have any plans on getting your own fursuit anytime soon? Maybe not anytime soon, but I actually have... Like DIY, a uh, mini partial fursuit. Yeah, so I have the paws, I have the sleeves, the leggings, and the tail, but not the head, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. did you say you have a DIY suit? Yep. Yeah. I've, oh, wow, cool. Yeah, I can uh, get you a photo of that. Sure. Yeah, we can. We can. We can flash that on the screen uh, whenever 
we get that yeah that, i think that's cool i actually forgot that um did you wear that at fur point by any chance yep um you oh you probably saw the tail and the um oh. the paws yeah not the sleeves cool. though because i was wearing long sleeves i think i remember the tail yeah yeah, yeah it's not exactly um my fursona but it's close enough and yeah Right, yeah. So I think something we've been figuring out over the past couple episodes is that DIY fursuits are like the go-to thing if you're in East and Southeast Asia, especially if you can't afford someone else to make a fursuit for you. Mm -hmm. So was that your mindset going into that? Or did you just feel like making something? I guess growing up, I've been doing like a bunch of DIY stuff. And when I first saw the price tags of um, Western fursuits, I was quite shocked. I did some uh, quick math and realized that the raw material, so the actual fur is just super cheap. So I just lo looked up some tutorials and um, just starts, yeah, started making one. Mm -hmm. yeah, in fact, I think I completed part of my fursuit before I finalized my uh, fursona hence if you uh, look at my uh, tail the purple stripe is not there oh, i mean yeah a good portion of the cost from what i've heard from fursuit makers is the you know the the time of their labor absolutely yeah i was i think i was still like back in high school when i started making it and yeah i got a bunch of free time let's go ahead and steer back into uh talking about fur point so can you tell us what exactly is Fur Point? So Fur Point is, I guess, a, a formal fur meet that was held in uh, December of 2020. It's not exactly your usual furry convention where, you know, there's like a dealer's den. It's like a multi-day event and mm -hmm. even with sometimes with like guests of honors and panels. This one is sort of like a single space, a single day, and it's... It's effectively a formalized version of like fur meets you'd see in like America and Europe. Can, can you remind us, uh, when is it held? I think it, it was held on December 19th. Yeah, right before mm -hmm. Christmas. Not too long ago, in my opinion. I mean, it's what, like like three-ish months ago? Yeah, I guess uh, yeah. three, four months ago. It feels like a long time ago, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it hasn't been that long. Yeah, and just for the record, um, guys, uh, me and Berger both went to uh, Fur Point uh, back in December. I believe Berger came a lot earlier than I did. Uh, yeah. I think like, man, did, did you, did you arrive like at nine or? I arrived basically at opening, just like what I do with any furry occasion. <laughs> yeah, I think you might've gotten it before I did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it said it started at nine. So I was like, okay, got to show up five minutes early. <laughs> I think I think I was still like under a really weird sleep schedule, so I ended up coming around like two or three, so I missed like seventy percent of the con. <laughs> yeah, basically. I still kick myself for that. But the venue was kind of interesting. Um, it was basically just this almost like a restaurant venue that they've converted into like a regular venue for gatherings and meetings and stuff. But it has mm -hmm. like all the like nice chic furniture. And, like, there are a couple of places where people go into tents and hang out. Like, you go into a tent inside an underground basement-level restaurant bar place and just hang out with your friends. Yeah. That's... I haven't seen that before. Yeah, I'd say it's quite nice. Also, it, I think a part of that restaurant uh, had a VR area, but we cleared it out for the cosplay area. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, I saw the little VR machine. Yeah, unfortunately, they're not compatible with the <laughs> 
I also kind of want to add um, to kind of give people a little bit more context and Berger and Carbon, you guys can add on uh, if you wish. Uh, but since Infernity was not held last year, Infernity was not held in 2020, this kind of gave way for other Furcons to appear. Um, and I believe um, Furpoint was uh, one of the Furcons. The other one was Furmit uh, back in Tainan, I believe. And so um, Furpoint was one of those cons that kind of appeared. And it kind of, it kind of gave people an option, actually. Uh, so I kind of find that interesting where it's like, I, I, I think people's idea was that it was mainly infernity but it's kind of cool to see um other furcons pop up in taiwan because uh like i said it, it was mainly infernity that like that's what that's what comes to my mind i think when when you talk about like taiwanese furcons and I, and I know there are other things like anime conventions or doujinshi cons but i feel like i feel like that's a different category and that might be a different discussion for a different time but i just wanted to like add that to, to just provide a little bit more context the only thing I w want to add now is the the way they did badges. So I'm holding mine up right now. And basically okay. on the little registration sheet that you filled out on like Google Forms or whatever, uh, they asked for like pictures mm -hmm. of your fursona, like a ref sheet. And they have like two different pictures that they pick, like one or two on the front and the back side. And they label your whatever handle you want to have, like mine is just my online handle, Lightning Runner. Uh, it's labeled me as a fursuiter. Uh, on the back, it shows my Twitter uh, handle. And they also had little flags, depending on where which country you came from. So they stuck an American flag yep. on mine. Yeah, so um, I know that uh, in other cons, um, like you mentioned the flag, right? In other cons, I think they have like these... Um, Man, what are they? What do they call these? Like these small, like ribbon kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'll, I'll I'll try to flash an image if I can find one, um, where it's like I am from the U.S. or I am from Japan or like I speak Japanese, I speak English, I speak X. I don't think Furpoint did that, but I mean, I, I've also seen that as like a um, another way of identification, which I think is interesting. I did not see that at Fermit, interestingly enough. Hmm. It's it's a thing in is a thing at Infernity and I believe it's also a thing at uh, Tie Tales. Hmm. Um, like I said, I can flash an image uh, of like what that ribbon thing looks like. Um, but going back to Fur Point though, uh, one thing that made Fur Point kind of stand out for me at least was the dress code. And where did that come from, by the way? Because like I found out, if I'm not mistaken, you 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 couldn't just walk in with like sandals and shorts. Like it was like a slightly I don't know if you would call it like smart casual business casual kind of dress code like like do you have any like um story behind that i don't actually know i think but what i do know is that they obviously don't want people coming in in like flip-flops and like mm -hmm. um anything that's a below maybe smart casual but also i wouldn't call the dress code formal yeah okay. but i do find that quite unusual that a dress code was imposed on like this um for meat-esque event i thought it was interesting i mean I, I can't say if it's a good or bad thing i i just i thought it was interesting makes them stand out i guess yeah it makes it seem more like an actual private gathering rather than a uh convention only 50 people or so showed up right yeah well, what what was what was the what was the uh, attendee count actually i'm kind of curious like was it was it 50 something or i don't actually remember that off the top of my head um but I would say it's, I don't think it's more than 100 due to the uh, COVID-19 restrictions. 
Mm-hmm. And also probably or because of the venue size. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it was a single location. Yeah, it, it was a single location. It was like basically like one giant room. It wasn't like multiple uh, stories. The, ba- the basement of like a building, which which is like a restaurant, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it also serves as a restaurant. Yeah, like it was a restaurant, but also like the ground level floor entrance area also shared a space with like some sort of VR experience kind of a store, which is where I think people got confused. It confused me. (laughs) It confused me. Yeah, I think it also confused some of like staff and volunteers when we were finding a location initially. (laughs) Speaking of staff, can you tell us what you actually do? or did for Furpoint as a staff member. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I was in charge of uh, running their uh, board, game, board game activities and also um, dealing with translation on the website and interpretation for the uh, first science panel. So before we talk about the translation stuff, I just want to say, I don't remember who it was who brought the oversized uh, poker playing cards, but those seem to be an absolute hit, along with the oversized Uno cards. Guess, guess who brought the oversized Uno cards? Oh, that was you. That was me, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was me. <laughs> that, yeah, uh, they, they asked me, like, while I was in the States, probably, like, a few months ahead of time. I can't remember, but, yeah, it, it, it was something to do. So I, I threw that into one of my, I think it was probably my carry-on. And, yeah, um, that that is that is Uno from the States. Um, I think they didn't want to pay for the shipping fee, and it kind of makes sense. Um it's easier to well it's cheaper it'd be cheaper to just like i don't know buy off of amazon then pay the shipping from whatever warehouse location to my house and then yeah i bring it over um i don't know who has it right now probably kage and discord i I guess so wait where did you find that me yeah well, actually, they, they uh, I think they gave me an Amazon link, or I think they paid for it via Amazon. They, ju- they just used my address. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, like, cheaper to ship it from, like, whatever warehouse it is to my house um, rather than from the U.S. to Taiwan, basically. Yeah, but going on to other board game and tabletop games, were there, I don't remember, were there a lot of people that actually played uh, all of the uh, board games and tabletop games? There were quite a few tables, I guess. Yeah, like we had, I think like seven board games, I- excluding the oversized playing cards. That was, yeah, it's a wide wide variety. Did you have a favorite? Well, I, okay, I guess it has to be a cheating moth. It, it's like um, a game where you, your goal is to try to get rid of all your um, cards, it, um, like w- with a set rule, but the catch is you're allowed to uh, cheat meaning you're allowed to throw away cards if you can get away with not getting caught by like one of the designated uh, players yeah it's super interesting to see people play that in fursuit because their vision is limited yeah Hmm. i bet there's some hilarious moments all right cool and so let's move on to the interpretation work and i guess translation work that you did you mentioned translation right right yep all right, so what did you translate and interpret for Furpoint? Oh, um, for the translation part, I pretty much just uh, translated the props policy for them. Yeah, because like, we have a de- designated prop zone, and I think quite a few of our attendees are 
um, LARPers and they have like life-size weapons. So we had a few rules that we needed people to follow. As for the interpretation, the original plan was for me to uh, interpret like during the first science panel, um, like the Q&A section. That sort of went wrong when our audio system um, sort of broke. So we ended up doing it over like the uh, like like a uh, text chat feature. Yeah, I remember that. It was a little bit of a messy workaround, but I think it did basically work. Yeah, I sure hope so. For um, this is a little bit of a dumb question here, but like for the people who don't know who uh, who or what first science is, could you like give like a brief explanation? Oh yeah, so like the um, for first science is like the um, outreach name for the International Anthropomorphic Research Project. They're if I, they're like a group of I think North American uh, scholars who are studying uh, the furry fandom from like a sociology um, aspect so like they conduct i think annual surveys there's um they like publish their results they, they got a whole website and yeah it, it's quite nice yeah they show yeah. up to texas furry fiesta actually just because there's a chamber there that works at a&m commerce uh mm-hmm. but they have locations all over in u.s and canada so yeah they're cool people especially nuka yeah, it's quite nice to finally make him, um, I guess, ha- uh, have an appearance in the uh, a- Oriental side of, of the furry fandom. Right. So yeah, what, yeah. what did they do? Like, what was like, what was the content of their panel? It was like an overview of their um, research results over the years. So it was like, a, hmm. I think they did it in a format of like 50 fun facts about the furry fandom. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, I remember watching it like off and on while the event was going on uh it had like an hour it was like an hour long and then of like pre-recorded video that they already edited and stuff and then it went into like a live q a yep well so outside of the first science and um translation thing um actually who did the translation because i remember on the pre-recorded video that there were chinese subtitles Yes, it, it was, um, I think, Kaget, one other person, and I. Yeah, we did the uh, subtitle translation. Yeah, I, I had uh, final exams during, like, the uh, month of December, so I couldn't just take on the translation by myself. Mm-hmm. And by the way, guys, uh, Kage, if I'm, it, and again, Carbon, you, you can correct me. Oh, if sorry, I'm wrong Kage Woka, uh, not Dr. Kage. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kage is one of the con uh, con chairs, I believe, co-con chairs, and then uh, Discord is the main con chair. Is that correct? I thought it was Vortigan. Yeah, Vortigan, Vortigan Shine. Right. I mean, I mean, he goes by multiple aliases. Yeah, his, yeah. his name is Discord. Yeah, I mean, he sure, calls sure. himself the president, and Kage is designated as the secretary and uh, I guess sure. admin- administrator. Yeah. Kind of weird titles to have, but then again, this is an overseas convention and a kind of a new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I didn't translate the titles. I, I only did the props policies. <laughs> Do you have any overall experiences that you want to talk about at the convention? Like how, how is the convention for you? Like outside of doing the translation and interpretation, how was it for you? You know, hanging out, meeting people, dancing to the music, having some drinks. Really fun. Like, this is actually my, I think, my first in-person, like, for event that I've attended. Like, mm-hmm. for first, like, large-scale ones. Um, it was super fun. Like, even though I was... Uh, 
Yes. Yeah, even though I was staff and had to be on duty at certain times, but I'd say it, it was interesting just roaming the place. Um, yeah, I, I had I had a good experience myself. Um, again, I missed like 70% of the con, so I'm probably, uh, probably not really going to be able to say too much. But um, I, well, I definitely like going to cons. I definitely like going to cons and I live in Taipei and the con is in Taipei. So it's, it's kind of a no brainer for me to go. And, um, I do, I do think that like, since, uh, since Inferity wasn't held, it kind of really helped, um, at least, at least, at least in my personal like experience, it kind of helped like fill in that gap in a sense. And, and that's not, that's not any offense to Inferity. Um, it's just, it's just like, you know, it, it wasn't held and that's like the con that I usually like yeah, yeah. go to. Cause you know, I, 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 I've been based in Taiwan for uh, quite some time, um, for a few years. And so like, that's like the main con that I uh, look forward to every year, I guess you could call this, it's like my home con. So it's kind of, it's kind of nice. Like I said earlier to just see like other cons pop up in Asia. Um, it gives you that choice, I guess. Um, it's nice to have choices. At least that's just, like I said, that's just my opinion. One thing that, um, that I kind of liked and, uh, I believe this is actually something that Burger recommended to me while I was at the con itself was the 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 drinks actually. Um, I believe you guys had sort of like a bar area like off to the side, and if I have a picture, I'll, I'll flash a, an image of like the prices and and what the bar looks like. And um, I think the prices were pretty fair. It was like three USD for like what like a like a rum and coke, or it was like wasn't there like gin tonic or something like that. Um, I would, yeah, I'm mainly a whiskey coke kind of a dude, and like okay. the fact that they had it for a hundred NT, that made it that much more affordable compared to like other bars, even in Taipei, even in the Taoyuan area in Zhongli, where mm -hmm. I am. That's like a full shot um, of your, I guess, like liquor, and then it's like a full can of whatever soda. It's basically regular yeah. drink size. Yeah, it's not the tiny little like cocktail sized drinks where it's like oh yep. here's here's your drink that's 200 nt what mm -hmm. <laughs> you know like you yeah. get a whole soft drink can like mm -hmm. equivalent yep. of drink yeah like I, I i don't personally drink but i do know that i think the team was like negotiating with the bartender on like the logistics and how we're able to keep the price down and stuff yeah 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 that's why i think it they came in plastic cups Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think we talked about that before, like after the con where it's like, uh, I'm okay with that. Like, I, I, I don't, I mean, um, if it lowers the cost for the uh, guests, then it's like, um, you know, more power to you guys. And, and, you know, it's 100 NTD, which again is about like three something USD. So that, that, that was worth it for me. I'm more of a red solo cup kind of a guy, but that just shows the kind of room parties <laughs> that I've been to. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, even I know what that is. <laughs> Um, I wanted to kind of go back to the interpreting for for science, if that's okay. Well, I know you guys had technical difficulties, but like, how did you feel though um, interpreting for for science? Like, what were some of the difficulties that 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 you faced? It was definitely interesting. It's my first time doing um, like interpreting at a official event. Yeah, my okay. only other experience was like at a I think like mid middle of nowhere in like a mountain mm -hmm. of in China and something. I was like interpreting for a tourist group. But yeah, this did one's they ever give you? Did they ever give you like a script or anything to work from, or is it just like entirely like you know like a like sight kind of? Yeah, no, everything was on. Yeah, everything was on the spot. Wow, it, it, I mean, I wasn't there for it, but it seemed like you did a decent job. Or like, uh, how, how do you feel? 
Well, I didn't really do that much interpretation during the first science panel because of the audio difficulties, but mm. um, I did translate like between... So what happened was I think the um, audio system was creating a feedback loop. So whenever I oh. speak to the first science people, it will, it, it will just um, get looped and get super loud here on, on the speakers here in Taiwan. So um, I had to type out my translations. So I guess you could say it's like consecutive interpretation, but I type out my, uh, like I type out the translations. Sure, sure. Yeah, but the the other instance of you doing interpretation was during like a roundtable discussion kind of a thing that Kage was had had come up with. Basically, he had gotten just a bunch of people like, "Hey, you want to talk about different topics? Let's do it." And then. Uh, I was with Carbon at that point, just hanging out and joining that little discussion. And everything in Chinese that was being said, he was like, okay, that's what this means. He says this, 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 and this. Like, And it was instantaneous almost. Like, it, It's just like a filter of just like, and that takes a certain mm -hmm. amount of skill. Like some, some mm -hmm. sort of brain power, superpower, if you want to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I actually don't know. I could, like, I, I could do that be, be, before the event. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's interesting. I think it's called simultaneous interpretation, right? Yeah, basically. Simultaneous right. interpretation. Yeah, it was super fun, though. It was, uh, it was like extreme exercise of the mind. I was trying to fight race against their speak, uh, spe speech speed to like, find the right word. Mm -hmm. Had a follow-up question then. Um... I know we talked a, l a little bit about this before, but which do you find harder, English to Chinese or Chinese to English? Um, it could be for either translation or interpretation. I say in both cases, I would find English to Chinese harder. Yeah, like, and in terms of um, translation, part of it's because I am more used to an en English keyboard, so I actually type faster on an en English keyboard. Mm. And also, I think it has to do with. I don't know if there's a word for it. It's almost like the rigidity of the language and that in English, it's easier to paraphrase. So like from Chinese to English, it's easier to find a equivalent in your target language. But English to Chinese, you uh, like the grammar structure is more rigid. And I, I, it's also, I guess, the vocabulary is more fixed. Yeah, I, I don't know mm -hmm. if it makes sense. It's like, I'm, I'm trying it's to... It's interesting because like from when I hear from what... Um... I mean, it's interesting you say that. I don't. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I mean, there are no wrong answers in, in this. We're just asking questions. But from what I hear, uh, from when I was learning Chinese with uh, back at MTC with my other uh, classmates, uh, something we discovered is that like grammar tends to be a little bit more free in some cases in the Chinese language. But I think I know what you mean. Like there's like this. There's there's a certain level of rigidity though. There is a certain. I I don't know how to describe it either. Okay. Maybe it has to do with like. Sorry, I think uh, le lexically parsed. Yeah, this is some like linguistic stuff that I somehow learned in comp science, like in computer science class. But I, yeah, it's like the ability to break down each word in a sentence and have logic link them together. I think. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I like the way that's phrased. It's very academic and and thinky. You know. Big brain stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not a linguist. Yeah, but you are a college-educated person, so you use that college-educated vocabulary. 
<laughs> Thanks. Actually, I think at this yeah, point we're all college educated on this podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. My field is biochem and bioengineering, and yet the work I do in the Furry Phantom is heavily with um, translation and interpreting. Well, you're not exactly doing like gene splicing right now. <laughs> not really, but I. Oh boy, um, I've been asked multiple times when I tell people I do like I do bioengineering about um, TF actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the first time i heard that <laughs> no yeah no no joke they just asked me about it i was actually at, at one point like i was uh, discussing with the fur point staff i was explaining to them the actual bioengineering behind like splicing in a gene of yeah like regarding to like animal human tf stuff yeah it was in- interesting yeah uh speaking of which can you tell us more about the taiwanese furry fandom how would you how would you describe them? So I think compared to the um, Western furry fandom, which I'm almost more experienced with, because what, what, like mm-hmm. I've been lurking online around there, mm-hmm. I'd say the Taiwanese furry fandom is like compared to normal Taiwanese people, obviously pro- a lot more um, open about certain things. But if you compare that to the Western fandom, I think there's still things that is can be viewed as more conservative. Like for example, a bodily contact, more specifically hugs. I think they're quite common in any American or European cons. Like the the hug has pretty much become the universal free greeting, right? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but in You're right, yeah. During third point there wasn't mm-hmm. yeah, I, I did not see that phenomenon. Yeah. unless you're like first suitor to first suitor. Yeah, even first suitor to first suitor it, it was less spontaneous. Yeah. Okay. That kind of runs counter to, to my experience, but okay, that that's I mean that's that's good though. I mean, like it's always good to have different opinions and different perspectives. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying first suitors are less um, spontaneous compared to like non-suitors. I'm saying compared to um like the Western first suitors. So just something I've noticed about Taiwanese society, uh, this may apply to other Asian societies as well. But like, I'll give my coworkers as an example. Like, okay, they're. They work in the same cram school, and they seem to like be very close, working together, you know, co-workers and all that. Uh, and they hang out with each other quite a bit. And uh, even on, like, private occasions outside of work, they're just like, oh, I'm bringing this person along. Oh, okay, interesting. So it's going to be more of a three-person trip more than a two-person trip. Um, eventually, I learn not only are they very close friends, they're in a relationship. Not once have I seen them hold hands kiss like they they walk close to each other but like there's just no outward signs of affection that they give each other yeah it's much more subtle i want to add to that though and we talked about this before and again you know just to add more information to the pool though but like at my university i see couples doing that so i just wonder if it's like an age kind of thing because i've seen like guy girl couples around um ntnu like holding hands like it's actually kind of common like i I can almost see every time i walk to class yeah it's probably a generational thing so let's talk a little bit more about the taiwanese fandom in general actually so what other outside of just uh social behaviors and such like is there one that you prefer over the other not like i i like these people these other people they can go away but like which one do you think you like hanging out with more Oh, I haven't really hung out with 
neither of them that much, so I can't really say if I'll prefer one group over the other. But in terms of online interactions, I like in like for the past few months, I've actually mostly been interacting with just um the t- Taiwanese furries. But then that's also biased because I'm not physically in the U.S. and obviously there's time zones. Mm. Yeah, but like I do envision that once I head to to the U.S., um, I'll be interacting with them a lot more. Oh yeah, um, to give you all background, I am supposed to be in a university in California, but due to COVID nineteen, I've been stuck in Taiwan for the past year. Yeah. Right. So I'm in a limbo. Uh, so Michael, you are also kind of in in that limbo as well, or almost in that limbo. Yeah, I was I was in that limbo where where it was like. Um... Again, just just a little refresher for the audience. I actually started becoming I actually started uh, becoming furry in Taiwan in 2017, and then when I came back to the states in 2019, it was that weird limbo state where it's like I was in Texas, right? And even though I'm from the U.S., I actually didn't know very many U.S. furries, um, and it was it was just a little bit hard to integrate. And um, everyone kind of knew each other. Uh, I'm I I don't really classify myself as extremely extroverted. Uh, I don't know if I give I, I, I people tell me I I'm I'm quite extroverted, but I think it's one of those fake it till you make it kind of things, honestly. So I was in, I was I was definitely in that limbo state where it's like I'm not really a Taiwanese fur. I'm I'm definitely an American fur, like culturally speaking. But it's just weird because I didn't have a lot of um, uh, Texas furry friends or U.S. furry friends. But I think for carbon, like just to uh, to kind of throw the mic back to you, like you have to remind me. You said for the for the longest time you had kind of like lurked in the fandom, but then for you for you as well, you you started being like a furry in Taiwan, right? Actually, no. I discovered a fandom in Singapore, so I actually went to high ah. school in Singapore. That might be a piece of the puzzle that's um, missing. So I completely get you. Yeah, like while. Mm-hmm. In Singapore, I discovered fandom, and I've been mostly lurking online in um, American and European communities. So I'd say culturally, and in terms of like my knowledge of the fandom, is mostly Western. And then COVID nineteen put stranded me in Taiwan for a year, so I'm now in this limbo of like I speak their language. I was born and raised there, but I don't. I'm also a furry, but then I don't know that many Taiwanese furs. Yeah. You also it's, don't. Yeah, interesting. You also don't seem to know very much Singaporean furries either. Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't call myself a Singaporean fur. Yeah, there's there's no there's no way. No. Like I mean, I remember we no. talked about this before, but yeah, you never you, you never even went to LIFC. Yeah, no, I, I think LIFC every year classes with I don't know something. Yeah, it's it's. it's well, well, it was only for one year anyway. It was only one year oh, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, also in Fernie, I think that clashes with my classes Ooh. every year. Yeah. I still oh, remember being like days off because like I was, I sometimes would return to Taiwan in uh, uh, during the autumn break, and I still remember like missing Infinity by like I don't know forty eight hours, twenty four hours. I don't know if we were in Singapore at the same time. Were you there in twenty nineteen or? Yep, I was there. I think oh, from okay. 2015, okay. 16, Yeah. Twenty fifteen hmm. to sixteen. No, f- starting from fifteen to sixteen, and oh. I only returned to Taiwan actually June twenty twenty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, my exposure to the Taiwanese side of the fandom is quite recent. It's interesting that we've all gone to Singapore at some point, but have never met each other face-to-face in Singapore. I mean, I only went there <laughs> as part of a vacation thing that I was doing. 
after my contract break in mainland China. That's where I met up with mm. Halud and his friends and boyfriend and stuff. So, oh, snares, yeah, yeah. Halud snares, right? Yeah, yeah, love those guys. Hope to have them on the show later. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're about to wrap things up, but let's do one last question before we do that. Can you tell us more about any future plans you have with translation or interpretation? I guess it's a quite it's a nice skill set to have. And while I don't plan to like um, make a li- living out of it, I it, it is I guess you just say it's nice to have this um, skill set like in the background and in cases where I will need to come um, bridge communications between the um, I guess Oriental and um, Western side of the fandom. It is definitely handy. Like in fact, currently I'm uh, helping the International Anthropomorphic Research Project uh, translate their surveys. Yeah, it's a super long ongoing thing. Um, I haven't finished it. It's a super long survey. But hopefully once that's done, their research can finally branch into Asia. Mm. Mm. So actually, to add on to that, how is it trying to find translations for like more scientific terms? I'd say for like it, scientific terms, it might actually be easier because a lot of the proper nouns, the translations are established i mean by and by scientific i'm talking about stem not like furry science because in the case of furry science there are a lot like a lot of vocabulary that lacks the translation for example in chinese there is no um, distinction between theorians and other kins and that is a major problem i'm trying to deal with when translating a, a survey i mean they are similar subcultures so yeah that would make sense but yeah, that does sound tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the survey, they do clearly distinguish between those two. I guess as a little linguistics thing, do you have uh, like a favorite translated thing? Like what's your favorite word that you've translated from English to Chinese or from Chinese to English? My favorite word. Wow. Like phrase or thing, a word. For the uh, for science talk, the Chinese subtitle, I did have a tentative uh, term that distinguished between uh, theorians and other kins. But that one is not mm. official, though. Would that be appropriate? Yeah, it should be fine. Yeah, you might remember this from first point. It's a sou huan zhen tong zhe. It literally translates to um, uh, a, a person that agrees with a furry so. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's, I'd say it's a nice translation. Yeah, like the, the, yeah, the team came up with it. Not just me, though. Hmm, okay. Kind of interesting to be, you know, at the forefront of all that because it's like the sort of like Western fandom kind of influencing the Asian fandom at that point because it's like a term that in Chinese, like there's no particular word, right? It, it, yeah, that's absolutely. What yeah, that's, that's what I'm understanding. So it's kind of like you have to you have to kind of make up a word basically in Chinese um, because uh, like, like, cause like I said, the Chinese doesn't have this word. So it's kind of cool to see how, I mean, cause that's the whole point of the podcast to see how like these two cultures kind of influence one each one, one another. And like I said, we're, we're, you're being at the forefront of that. You have, you have to bring that idea, that cultural concept into Taiwan. That's a it really is, cool thing. It is interesting. Cause a, a lot of the English uh, free words, there's an established like, etymology of it but in chinese we're just like making it 
from from nothing pretty much. I still remember um, there was a um discussion about actually translating like Furpoint ver- or sorry no Fur Meat versus Fur Convention because there was also wasn't a clear distinction, and also the translation of um Dutch Angel Dragons. Yeah, because mm. the Dutch in Dutch Angel Dragons actually I think doesn't refer to the nationality it refers to a name that the species right, was right. created in memory of to, to. so right. yeah so it's a debate of do we translate it so it yeah it, it literally means like netherlands angel dragons or do we translate it into like uh just the pronunciation of dutch in yeah. chinese in and e, like e, as a name uh, that's a yeah. transliteration yep mm-hmm. yeah because i think otherwise you could just say angel dragon which is just you know tan shi long yeah, Tian Shidong, probably. Which is actually the same Chinese characters you would use for Japanese as well, for Japanese kanji, Tian Chi Ryu. Oh, hmm. in- interesting. Yeah. Right, right. Well, this has been a very interesting discussion. So thanks again for coming to our podcast, Carbon. If you don't Absolutely. mind, go a- yeah, go ahead and tell us where people can find you on the internet. Okay, so uh, my Discord tag is uh, carbon, hashtag uh, uh, 7575. I have a Twitter, uh, it's at carbon underscore the underscore wolf. And I also have a Facebook, it's uh, it's carbon.v.wolf. Yeah, I mean, some of these accounts are effectively almost placeholders because I'm quite busy with school, so you're not going to see that much like out there for you to see, but I'm like... I'm fine with like DMs and stuff. Yeah, always looking forward to making friends. All right, that's good to hear. So, again, thank you for taking some time out of your day to join us for this podcast. Once again, this has been the Fox and Burger podcast. Thanks again, listeners, for joining us. Uh, this has been Burger. And this has been Fox. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. See you then.